But the Jewish side associated with people on the out on the outskirts of the Jewish society. But what he did have a problem with was letting go of this, this prejudice that he had towards Gentiles when it came to advancing the gospel to them. And if I'm being honest, I think we as a culture, maybe even as a church, are still struggling with the same problem. And God won't want to do so much with us if we're unwilling to let go of our deep seated prejudices to this day. And that's what the Word of God does to reveal to Sometimes our, our sin takes on the form of pride or fear or guilt or shame. And in, in our pride, sometimes it makes us say, that's cool that the Word of God is going out to the world, but I don't have to go to that, do I? Sometimes pride makes us do that. Sometimes fear, and our fear says, uh, I, don't, I don't know what my sin is or my family that I think about me if this is talking to them. Sometimes it's our guilt and, and say, I've done some I've done terrible things with that, or I've said some terrible things. I would rather just not even think about it if I can help it. And sometimes it's our shame, right? Because they've done things or they've been done to us. And it wells up in this anger that says, But you don't know what they've done to me. What they've taken from me. I hate them. I was getting ready for this sermon, and I decided to join a chat room post of some Christian believers. And um, I want to read you guys some of the responses they gave me for this question that I posted to them. What do you guys think about racial reconciliation? Listen to what some of the folks said. One person, one person said, The Bible never mentions race, so to even talk about it is sinful and divisive. Okay, cool. There's another person that said, There's only one race, the human race. Everything else is a made up social construct aimed at keeping people subjected to one another. Which makes the whole thing up. That's cool. Another person said, racial reconciliation is just the latest liberal buzz phrase that emphasizes division and is unnecessary since we're all one in Christ anyway, right? Are we? This last one probably could be the hardest. He said, um, a segregated church is not necessarily a bad thing because not every Christian feels comfortable in every Christian church. Do you see the religiously late prejudice in this statement? You see the subtle deviations from God's truth? They sometimes overt deviations from God's truth. Some of you may have made them sit there thinking, like, that's not that bad. What is this all about? Simple. And you may be asking yourself, why are we why are we even talking about this whole race race thing? And I'll give you I'll give you a few reasons. One is because eleven o'clock on a Sunday morning is still the most racially divisive time in American culture. And Dr. King noticed this almost sixty years ago. Another reason is because God keeps talking about it over and over and over throughout the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, you'll find racial reconciliation. And it begins right here in Acts 6. Matter of fact, this word ethnos we're going to be using today, it's, it's the word nation in, in our English language, but originally it was called ethnos, where we get the word ethnicity or race. You know, this word in its root is used 163 times just in the New Testament. God is talking about this. God desires that our church now matches worship service in Revelation 7, but we keep matching our prejudices as differences in worship music taste and preaching style. Racial reconciliation happens when we really and truly love our neighbor as ourselves, as if the thing were happening to us. When Pastor Galvin says, a million people are without water, how many people are hurt? And then, I need to go. That's what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. 
didn't hear what happened to you. But you may be saying, I do love my neighbors myself. Don't be trying to excuse me if you regret your presence. Here's how I know we still have issues, right? When tragedies happen in other communities that are not our own, whether the people are faith or not, the primary response that is given is one of indifference. And the anti of love is not hate. The anti of love is was walking in indifference towards Gentiles. And if we're being honest, we sometimes walk in indifference towards those who don't look like us too. Walking in indifference towards people is demeaning their true value in the eyes of God. You are valuable in the eyes of God. It's like they are valuable in the eyes of God. We are all made in the image of likeness of God. And God thanks us that we're to love our neighbors ourselves and care about what happens to them because they directly reflect the image of God or His Imago Day. It lives within them. You being indifferent to what happens to others through feeling, if you're not really willing to follow the commands of God and love others. I'm from the South, by the way. Even if this hurts, don't give me an amen. It's going to hurt. God is revealing sin. Get back to the story of Cain Abel, right? With when Cain killed his brother, what do you say to, what do you say to God? Am I my brother's keeper? Do you see the indifference there? Let me ask you another question. Was your heart crushed when Orlando Castillo was killed by a police officer while his daughter watched from the back seat? Let's even enter into your prayers that Christians in Syria, in China, and Africa right now are being beheaded because of their faith. Let's just stir up your emotions at all that a family is willing to cross through the desert to get to America so that they can give their family a chance to live because they are willing to face death in order to get their family a chance. But they didn't get into your prayers. I think I had to summarize the message that God is trying to communicate to Peter and to us is this, and I can put it in today's language since we're all addicted to uh, the social media. Hashtag, the model game matters. I know I say that, and some different feelings come up, right? And this isn't going to be a sermon that integrates anybody. To my brothers and sisters who are in law enforcement or have family law enforcement, thank you so much for protecting us. Seriously, we love you. Absolutely, your blue eyes matter. To my brothers and sisters who are in the military, me and Constitution are both best. Absolutely, your camel lives matter. Just in case camel lives matter becomes a thing. And absolutely, I agree with all of you who say that all lives matter, but here's the thing. There are brothers and sisters within the body of Christ who live in neighborhoods where they feel on a deep emotional and intellectual level that they are being systematically targeted, and they want the rest of the body of Christ to walk with them while they try to figure things out. And in the primary cause that they get back, it's one of them different to their Christ and justice. That is core in a model day issue because we don't truly appreciate that all people are made in God's image. It's God's challenge in our presence is to say, I make you and them in my image one. My heart broken over this. Why is it yours? Why is it the hashtag of your heart that your model doesn't matter? We in Little Soul Church, you want to see a fundamental shift in spiritual climate in Northern Nevada. But God's special presence will be hindered by the body church and by these false divisions we keep trying to put in place that Christ died to remove. God wants to 
destroy our prejudices and reveal to us that what actually matters is God the model day or the image of God that lives in all of us. And that this gospel is preached so that people can walk out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. There are three reasons we see in this passage why the model day matters. One, because he reveals the Father's character. Two, is because God saves us in order to accomplish his mission. And the third one, is he gives us one of the promises in the first place. Powerful. Wow. Good to see you guys. Um, Amado Day Matter because uh, it reveals the character of God. Right? Uh, you guys that open your Bible, the Bible is on the river from 
All of them matter because God saved us in order to accomplish His mission. That was our second point, right? So this is a longer passage, and you guys heard Pastor Gary read it already. So come on, if I give you a straight version. Okay, so here we go. Cornelius, right? Cornelius sent his boys that were with him to go get to go get Peter, right? So at the same time, they get ready to get the city. Peter's up on the roof praying, but he's a little angry. While he's up on the roof because last time he hasn't eaten yet. And he gets this vision. You guys have been so hungry, you start to hallucinate. Yeah, it's bad. So, in this vision, a heat comes down from heaven. Trippy, right? And so, on the sea, there are all kinds of like animals and reptiles and birds. All these things that Jews are not supposed to eat. And there, there comes a voice in verse 13. He says, And there came a voice to him saying, Rise here, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Peter looks at that sea that had bacon and pork rinds and some herb-crusted rabbit, some iguana on a stick, uh, some lobster with butter and, and a spicy crab roll, and was like, nah, I can't eat that. Bear Grylls and Andrew Zimmer would have lost their mind. They would just like, jump on top of the sea before you hit the ground. And it came a voice to him that said, a second time, what God has made clean, not God has commanded that the Jews be holy in every area of their life, from who they associated with to what they ate. But now that the fullness of time was upon them, God was actually even new in that that's a place where it An era where what you put into your mouth is not what makes you unclean, what comes out of your mouth that makes you unclean. A new era where there's now no distinction between youth and Greek, slaves and free, men and women, because we're all one in Christ. An era where that for all those who believe in his name, he gave them a right to be called children of God. Peter, God is saying, I said, oh, man, man, you got to leave that behind. Hashtag, I'm not going to do that. 
But this thing happened three times for 16 and the thing was taken up and went to heaven, right? And so now Peter's sitting there like, hey, what was the heck? And while he's sitting there, God's like, yo, I said, some dudes to come see you, I want you to go with me. So he does. But before he goes, he invites them in to be a guest. And I want you guys to miss that because this is Peter, right? And it's Christmas too, that the Bible speaks from the end of his home to show them hospitality. It's a big thing, and we'll touch on that a little bit later. So the next day, he rose on the way with them, him and the brothers from Java, right? I like when the Bible says brothers. Um, so the brothers from Java went with him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. So while they're coming in, uh, Cornelius has got his whole family together. And when, when Peter comes in, he starts to worship him. He's like, no, he's not, I'm just going to And so Cornelius says, and he talked in, and he went with, Peter went in and talked with people. God, he said, you yourself know how unlawful it is for you to associate with or visit with anyone from another nation. This, this word nation is not from, uh, you're from Switzerland? I can't really talk to you. I'm not even allowed to talk to you by law because you're of a different race. There's prejudice here. There's racism here. But God has told me that I should not call any person common or unclean. You see, the Jews were supposed to be a blessing to the nation, but they had self-segregated and hoarded the blessings of God for themselves. God is saying here, my son dies to wash his people clean. How dare you to see this in the act of my son dies to nothing? Church was telling you this sounds familiar. We do the same thing and we don't intentionally pursue a little racist people who don't look like us. The same sin that Peter was in. So Peter says, okay, so I'm here. What do you guys mean? So Cornelius relays the vision that he has. And he says something pretty profound here. Look at verse 33. He says, Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God. Hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. See, Cornelius already kind of knew who God was, but he thought he had to get God to be established. He had the power of the Holy Spirit. He didn't know the name of Jesus yet, but I'm telling you, his heart was ready. How can he to you? God has intentionally placed people around you in your proximity. Just prepared their hearts to hear about you. He's waiting on you to tell them. That is why he puts you around people. Their hearts are ready to get with you. Your Bible day matters because you never won't know when God is going to use you to minister to someone outside of your comfort zone. This was an uncomfortable situation. Peter was a, a prejudiced Jew from a, from a people that were directly picked up by God. Like he had reason for his racial prejudice, right? I, I would I would feel extra special if God told me as a people. He had Cornelius, he was an Italian Roman citizen who had positional authority over Jews, of course he had racial prices. So you're saying God was calling them to essentially put aside their, their racial and prejudicial differences so they can advance the kingdom of God. You have to like Peter Peter Cornelius had to put aside your stereotypes, assumptions, and biases because God disease doesn't nullify, nullify culture, glorifies it, and magnifies it for his glory. This story is amazing because of their racial differences. It's not a little side note in the Bible. God sees color, God sees color and honors. He doesn't make everyone a model. Back in the military, uh, once the military training, we used to have this saying that America was like a melting pot. Have you guys ever heard this saying before? 
Church, I don't think this is something that God wants us to take years to iterate to do when we can actually start doing this today. Um, right now, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So what can we do today? Right. I got, I got a few small things that we can do, and, and probably one big one. Uh, here's the first one. Go up to someone who doesn't look like you. Say hello. I think how their day is going, and that could mean it. You would be amazed at what friendliness can do for relationships. And, and then, so here's the key part, invite them to church. Tell them about Jesus. You, you don't come to church because of proximity to a building. People come to church and get to know who Jesus is because of a deep intimate relationship they have with someone who told them about Jesus. No close intimate relationship. Here's, here's the second one. Develop your opinions based on God's truth and within Jesus and not from your own experience. Coordinate dinner with someone in your home with your food. Remember when Peter did that? He brought them in and gave them hospitality. But here's the flip side of that. Go to their house with their food and enjoy their culture. I don't think it was an accident that God used food as a vision of Peter to kind of break down racial barriers. Food is a great, great barrier breaker. Enjoy food with our Christ He broke bread with people who weren't like him. He wasn't like any of his disciples. Yeah, he's got theologies, okay? He broke bread with them to bring them in. That, that, that's the issue of this. Here's the last one. And this one the Holy Spirit is going to have to help us with. Set your empathy meter. And I got this from Dr. Tony Evans. He said, we will never see progress in racial reconciliation until we can walk in empathy. Empathy requires something, right? Here's two things empathy requires. Empathy requires sacrifice. I'm sorry, the first one is empathy requires humility. You have to look into your life and find some areas where you are in the whole wrong and repent. You may be wrong. Here's another one. That would hurt and tell the that. Oh, man. Empathy requires presence. You, you cannot walk in someone if you're not in proximity to them. Matter of fact, if you try to have empathy with someone and you're not willing to be around them, it comes off as sympathy. And sympathy is just condescending. Walking in empathy. That may mean you need to leave your home and your community to go spend some time with someone in their home and their community. Ooh, okay. I'm going to keep going. 
nothing if you require to sacrifice. You may have to give up some of your privilege for the sake of someone else. That may mean that you go to the grocery store on your lunch break and you try to get the cashier to hurry up and find you and you watch and give it that evil eye, you know how to do it in the grocery store. You may have to let the person behind you go in front of you because they look different to you and you want to start up a conversation with them so that you can develop a different relationship with them and tell them about Jesus. This is how this Christian thing works. We're on mission, daily, and it requires sacrifice. Guess what? We're not going to get this right every time. But that was, but Jesus knew that, right? That was, that was the point of the gospel, so that we're not left in our junk with no hope. Jesus is the only reason and ability that Peter Cornelius had to look inside their lives and see those prejudices and drop them for the sake of God's kingdom. And he's the only reason and ability that we will have to look deep within ourselves and see those deep rooted seeds of prejudice and get rid of them for the sake of how the blood of Jesus washed clean. When Jesus died and rose again, he became the firstborn of a new creation. He gave us the glorious hope that one day we'll live in a new earth where the captain and the Gilbicapus are on the table and everybody's loving it. Where you're dipping your non-bread in the menudo and the taste buds are exploring, exploding. Where everybody around the table is drinking sweet tea because honestly anything else is just uncivilized. Our aim in this sermon is to start an actual conversation, not our own internal media-driven opinions about how we think Christianity should look like, but laying aside our pride, getting together, asking each other tough questions about prejudice, and allowing the blood of Jesus to wash them clean. It's just like if we were in AA, right? The first step in AA is to get the person to admit that there's actually a problem. But if we keep pretending that there's no problem, we're never going to find healing or reconciliation. We can end the road, and I'm telling you, we are about to serve under a road front of fire and burn the whole house down. And I'm sure you're going to have questions about all this. So here's my email address. It's um, I'll be at. I'm kidding. Here's, here's our actual email address. We, we want you to reach out to us. We want to feel your frustrations and concerns and questions. We who are the recipients of God's amazing grace, the ministers of reconciliation, the instruments in our Redeemer's hands, should always be the one stepping up for injustice, never walking in justice, proclaiming the glory of God and giving the world hope that one day none of this will be our reality. It was the point of the promise in the first place. Revelation 7 should be our vision of the big change, right? Where people from every nation, tribe, and tongue are all gathered around the foot of the throne. They all look church to be soaked with tears about Ferguson and Dallas, a 
about Aleppo and Mexico, about China and Africa. And if they're not, I'll ask you, have you ever really believed in the human grace of God at all? The Imago thing matters greatly to God. How much does it matter to you? Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you that you are challenging us in our, in our sin. God, we need, we need your word to reveal our sins to us. We, we cannot do this on our own. We need you, Father. God, we pray for the saints right now who are, who are struggling through their faith, who are, who are being murdered simply because they proclaim the name of Christ. We pray for people in communities right now who are being terrorized right here in America. We pray for the kids that don't have something to eat tonight. We pray for people who don't have water today. All this to start to break our hearts, God, because it breaks your heart. And if you call us up your followers, we can love what you love. Earth's up, God. Wake up, God. Thank you.